Today, on Give a Fuck. And then came COVID-19, and theaters all around the globe dropped the curtain for a very long time. And what do filmmakers have to say? Definitely disappointing. I can't I can't think of any upsides to it having moved online. To me personally, there's nothing inherently bad with watching a news blockbuster on your phone, tablet, laptop, or TV. But nothing compares to watching a movie in a theater. But maybe the element of being in a theater and laughing with other people is something that you don't enjoy at home. Hello, welcome to Give a Fuck, a podcast exploring what matters in culture, media, advertising, and whatever else we feel like discussing. The smell of freshly popped popcorn, the anticipation of the upcoming event, the little paper ticket that will become a token of the day, the disorienting search for the right seat in pitch darkness. The joy of watching one preview after the other. And finally, the curtain opens a little bit further and there it is. Sophie and today's episode is Theaterless Cinema, the future of film post-pandemic. Give a fuck. Come on, Annie. Let's go to the movie. Remember the first time you went to a movie theater? For me, it was the Disney classic Bambi, which was equally exciting as it was a traumatic experience. Mother! Mother! Ever since then, going to the movies is one of my most cherished pastimes. No matter how many times I've been sitting in the dark, staring at a massive white sheet since then, it has never lost its magic. And then came COVID-19 and theaters all around the globe dropped the curtain for a very long time. Film releases were postponed, or the new movies went straight to streaming services like iTunes, Disney Plus and Co. The movie industry itself needed to adapt to the unprecedented situation. Remote shootings, strict safety protocols and expensive hygiene measures on set are the new norm. How did our beloved movie theaters cope with the situation? Is there still hope for that quaint art house cinema around the corner, or do we need to face the fact that the golden ages of movie theaters are over once and for all? And what do filmmakers have to say? Let's hear the perspective of someone who works in the film industry, director Sean Hogan. So yeah, Sean, can I first ask you to like introduce yourself, just like a few sentences? Yeah, so I am... Um... I have one hat on, which is a music supervisor um, for advertising, um, but on the side, um, an aspiring um, filmmaker. Uh, and I have a collective which is called Mad Lazy Productions. It's myself, Anna Evans and Shola Branson. Um, we wrote, uh, produced and directed a short called Aphorisms in 2019. How did you get into film in the first place? So I gather you first like started in advertising and now you're like moving into film? Not, not intentionally. Um, <laughs> we 
all three of us, myself, Shola and Anna, are just all from different um, professions. And we had got really into a show in New York called High Maintenance uh, and the style. And we were out getting drunk one night um, in West <laughs> London and thought that there was nothing that was doing that and representing Londoners in the same way. And it kind of just went from there. We started getting together once a week, started writing. Uh, and then it snowballed into being in the middle of production on it and getting getting some money in. Um, and then now that's become a passion for us and something that we think we're good at and we're pursuing wholeheartedly. Um, said that usually when there's no pandemic, you go to New York like two or three times a year. Since the pandemic hit, how did your personal life and your also your work life, how did it change? In terms of making, you know, writing things. So we haven't made anything yet in pandemic, or we're, we're planning to shoot something in August. But in terms of, you know, getting ready and, and writing it, there's good and bad sides from the pandemic. On, you know, on the plus side, we've had more time to sit down and kind of ground ourselves and think about what we want to do. We have more time, the three of us in our schedules, to sit together and to write. But on the other side, we're trying to use kind of inspiration from real things that we're seeing, conversations that we're having, that's what's feeding us. And then when we're not having those conversations, we're sort of relying on hazy memories of conversations we had where you maybe lose a bit of the immediacy in it. Um, and a good point as well with meet, meeting other filmmakers. I mean, like with our our screening, we were in the same group as a couple of directors who we would be really interested in working with in the future. Um, and if we'd have been there, we could have spoken with people that liked ours. We definitely would have spoken with them. But instead we did our, we didn't get to meet them. We did our question and answer kind of separately online. So um, that door is still cold to me now, whereas I would have liked to have been able to. So you just said it, the, um, the screening for a London Short Film Festival took place virtually and the Q&A session was also online only. So when you heard the news that it will be like online only, how did you feel about that? We, we were definitely disappointed. It was kind of up in the air for a bit when, when that first, um, the January, cases were going up but they were still hoping that we could do it in person just for us as our you know as first time as our kind of debut short to be selected was amazing so to have been able to go to South Bank and, and have it screened and that that would have been really nice just personally so it was definitely disappointing I can't I can't think of any upsides to it having moved online um, but we were just happy to be in it also and it, it was good that it was accessible to people online when usually it's not so we had you know film companies watching things and contacting us afterwards so yeah yeah that's an interesting point so do you think since things are like virtually and online that it's more accessible to people and it's more democratic in a way that people can engage with it that they would usually not have the chance to maybe maybe i i wouldn't be able to say definitely because i don't know exactly say what London Short Film Festival when they usually put it online but um yeah quite quite possibly and 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 because people don't have the chance to go out and see something and they're stuck at home it means that people are looking up things to watch and that they're, they're more interested in finding stuff that's going to interest them so yeah perhaps do you think if this short film would have been shown in a cinema or in a theater would have made a difference in how the film would have been perceived interesting question we I, I think so I think um 
We've had a lot of good feedback from people just watching it online, but we did, we managed to do our first private screening right before lockdown. So we had 150 people um, in this space and we found we did not expect the response to be as strong because little moments that we weren't sure if people would find funny, but we found funny. You find once a few people start laughing at it, other people start to get on those moments as well. And it kind of, um, snowballs um so yeah i would say yes so what's what's next for you personally what what are your plans you so your your debut film just was on london film Fe short film festival which is amazing for your debut film so and fingers crossed jack your next uh, film will be not only screened virtually but actually in theaters or in cinemas mm. so what what would you wish for your future what's like next for you like what are your plans uh, after these well immediate plans is get get something for these projects um and you know the, the goal and dream is just to be able to make a comfortable enough living working on things that we love doing um we're we are always going to be coming up with ideas and working on things that we created um you know we're not interested in working on well i'm not interested on in kind of writing for things or directing for things we just want to keep on having the life experiences that give us uh, inspiration for new stories um, and hopefully be able to just do that full time. So we'll just, we'll be grafting away throughout this and coming up with new things all the time. Cool. So do you, so it's interesting for us, for our industry, like, do you still want to like have one foot in advertising or do you want to like go over to the movie industry full time? Um, I do, I certainly do not have the passion for advertising but I I enjoy, I enjoy my work and I love music and uh, because I've only set up my company a year ago I, I would definitely try either way to be doing both whether that's hiring some people to help me run the music company as well but yeah I think I think I'd want to stay in music as well yeah cool give a fuck Some say the pandemic has accelerated what was inevitable. Admissions at movie theaters have been decreasing over the past 10 years. In 2015, the box office take reached its lowest point in nearly two decades. In fact, the cinema as an institution has been on the decline for a long time. Before broadcast TV was invented, an estimate of 60% of people went to the cinema at least once per week. In recent years, the average person has visited a cinema once every three months. Notorious high snack and drink prices and the ever-increasing admission fees, especially for special screenings such as 3D IMAX, may have contributed their part. The pandemic had made it possible for an old, new theater experience to wake up from hibernation. Drive-in movie theaters are popping up at venues all around the globe. But apart from finally getting out of the house and a nostalgic 50s vibe, the pop-up trend doesn't offer much unseen. Meanwhile, the number of streaming service subscribers surged last year, as lockdowns around the world kept people at home, where they want to be entertained. Streaming giant Netflix added nearly 16 million new subscribers in the first three months of 2020, and Disney Plus was able to raise their number of paid subscribers to 50 million. It remains to be seen how figures will develop as governments lift lockdowns around the world. 
Walt Disney Chief Executive Officer Bob Chapek spoke at the Morgan Stanley Technology, Media and Telecommunications Conference in March and predicted that people's attitudes towards moviegoing will remain changed after the global pandemic passes. Especially when it comes to the traditional screening method, where a movie could be out of theaters for months and still not available for home viewing. He said, Consumers are probably more impatient than they've ever been before, particularly since now they had the luxury of an entire year of getting titles at home pretty much when they want them. I'm not sure there's going back. To me personally, there's nothing inherently bad with watching the news blockbuster on your phone, tablet, laptop or TV. But nothing compares to watching a movie in a theater. Or does it? Let's talk to my fellow podcasting co-workers about it. So thank you all for joining. Um, what we are going to do today is look at pieces of movies. And so um, I put together like six categories of movies, which I think are better to watch in, in the movies or in the cinema, um, rather than watching at home. So we're basically just seeing pictures and hearing a little bit of sound if that works. And then you can just, we can just discuss. Okay. Awesome. So the first category oh. is... Um, movies that have like a grand um, intro sequence. So uh, the example I found is uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick. Can you hear the sound? Yes. So if you see a black screen, that's right, because that's the intro sequence. <laughs> so I, I imagine the first people who watch this in theaters, listening to someone chewing popcorn, Does that add to experience? Should I get some popcorn? <laughs> so for our listeners, we still see just a black screen. And so the intro sequence is really long until something actually happens. So maybe if you sit in the cinema and you see this intro sequence, you're actually asking yourself what is happening. You hear the music on the like sound system of the cinema. Imagine it would be really cool. Yeah, imagine watching this at home, I'll be like, uh, this is time to fast forward, right? Yeah. Am I going to be scared? I've never seen this. I think maybe it's for us, it's especially difficult because we're so used to like consuming media all the time, like being on a smartphone, watching a movie while we're on the smartphone and hear music and stuff like that. So I think it's really a test for the, for the viewer to just sit there and look at the black screen. Yeah. I would be second screening this for sure. <laughs> oh, oh, we see the MGM screen. <laughs> the old school lion. Damn. Yeah, Kubrick used a lot of like classical music pieces for the film. And... So this tune is super famous. Uh, I suppose this is the original, mm -hmm. like the first time it was used. Beautiful fonts, very, mm -hmm. uh, you know, very modern. Yeah. At home, I'd be like checking Instagram, like. Right. 
But I'm trying to do this thing where when we watch a movie, I really want to put the phones away, like far away. I'm trying to always talk to me and my boyfriend, just like, put them in the kitchen or on the table. Let's not have them on the sofa because it's actually horrible. <laughs> More black. <laughs> Back to black. Yes. Yeah. That's a good habit, actually. I try as well, and until I need to check IMDb to see who the actor is or what else they were in. I do that too. Cool. So the next category, which I think is really like something that you want to watch in the cinema, these blockbusters. So these really expensive, big movies that open up a whole new world, like a fantastic world that um, has nothing to do with our day-to-day life. For example, Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, or like a popular example would be Avatar, directed by James Cameron from 2009, which had some really like groundbreaking technologies. Um, So he used 3D cameras and he mixed real actors in real life with a 3D animation. So we're just gonna start watching some footage. I became a Marine for the hardship. Told myself I can pass any test a man can pass. All I ever wanted was a single And thing it, had, it was a really big hit. They made a lot of money. And you now you see the pictures on a really anymore. small screen. You are on Pandora. So we Those see pictures from the trailer. We're on the brink of war, and you're supposed to be finding... Sigourney Weaver's on the screen. The actress mm-hmm. always in, in space. Like Some kind of alien planet. Yeah, I remember seeing this whole thing in the theater. Obviously, everything was in 3D. I mean, completely different you know, perspective. I, I never watched this at home. I, I, I wonder like, if it makes any difference just seeing it flat. Oh, this is your fault. I actually saw this on IMAX. I need your help. Ooh. IMAX 3D. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think it was worth it? Yeah, it was cool. I feel like it's only stuff like this that's really. I saw Harry Potter in IMAX too, which was cool, but this was. No. I'm not really a big fan of this movie. Maybe I need to watch it again. I just actually watched it uh, on computer, a pirated version. So it definitely <laughs> did not go to the cinema and I fell asleep. <laughs> it was super, I don't know. But maybe that's why it didn't speak to me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so next category is um yes, yes. <laughs> it's um, movies that have a really strong soundtrack or the sound editing is really remarkable and i chose dunkirk by directed by christopher nolan from 2017 so we're going to start watching and maybe i will turn up the sound a little bit so we can actually hear something I, I noticed when I watched this film that there is because it's all basically set in like what is is, is like a day, yeah, <laughs> something like that. no because it has it has three stories right the, the the soldiers on the beach, then another story is the the little boy picking them up from the boat and the third story is the one of the of the captain in the sky. And they, they all have like different density of time. So the soldiers on the beach, they are st- stuck there for days. Then the captain in the sky who is flying a, an airplane, for him it really is just like 
half an hour or something like that of this actual time that is represented in the movie and for the person that's coming on the boat from england to rescue them is like one day and there's always a ticking sound in the background and yes. based on how intense the situation is and how short the time is perceived the ticking sound increases or decreases so for the one for the captain in the sky it's really really fast because it's only half an hour that we see him for the guys there at the beach it's pretty slow and then for the one on the boat is middle but so the, the sound actually indicates the pace of the movie really well yeah i found a scene that actually supports that juan maybe we can watch it so it's kind of this rising tension so we see the the soldiers on the beach um and the one like the protagonist um, watching the soldiers and there's like a really significant scene it's right at the beginning i think yeah Don Kirk. I'm not going back. There's no hiding from this sun. You know what? I never saw this in the theaters, but I imagine how terrified you can be in a movie theater with like a really good sound system. Like I'll probably mm -hmm. gonna be peeing my pants or something. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe then the next category as well. Horror or jump movie as jump scare movies mm -hmm. because my reasoning was that when you're in the cinema you cannot like stop the movie and come back later if you if you're scared and we chose the exorcist by uh, willie friedkin from 1973 which was at the time one of the like really popular movies but also really um, controversial because it's really like scary and shocking for the time and also for today i would say somewhere between science and superstition there is another world the world of darkness nobody expected it i love this movie and i love demon movies i always get super scared but I was watching this the other day also with my boyfriend and he was laughing all the way through. He thought it was ridiculous, like, obviously, like, it's, it's like, it's not done. Like, now it looks, the effect and all of that, it looks a bit funny, but to me it's really creepy and weird, but he was, like, watching this and laughing his ass off, like, it can be also a comedy if you look at it from different point of view, you know, like, this poor little girl and she is speaking latin and is possessed by demon and vomiting and peeing all over like it's <laughs> it's crazy it's funny because it's like so the, the, i i found this clip on youtube showing that um when this film was first screened uh in theaters uh people were fainting and yeah and, and it made it into the news that people wanted to see it because they heard that people were fainting and people in fact were actually they even left the theater they came back and they kept fainting. I've actually never seen this because I hate horror movies. Yeah, me too. And I definitely wouldn't watch it in the theater because it is, you're right, Sophie, it's way easier to watch horror movies at home. So if I'm going to be forced, I will do it at home, but not yeah, in the and I would do it. I would do it like in the morning or like during daytime. <laughs> it's bright outside, yeah. yeah. When we watch a horror movie, then I always have to watch like an episode of Friends afterwards, you know, like to yeah. calm down to go to bed, you know, something familiar and good. But I love horror movies and there is also a huge divide. I, I recently found out between what kind of horror movies you like, because 
some people are into these jump scares like there's a psychopath who is you know following you like something uh you know like this what's, what's the name of the movie some australian creek or whatever you know like a group of travelers go off the road and somebody murders them yeah. and to me personally that's not scary at all i don't know why I, i just believe that i'm more likely to be possessed by demons than being hunted <laughs> hunted by a psychopath to me like all these demons and ghosts like that's extremely scary possession but i don't know if somebody is weird and knocks at my door i, I don't think like that, that's likely to happen <laughs> <laughs> I think I think if you ask most women, they would say the opposite. I'm yeah. Oh, yeah. scared of real world stuff than ghosts, but I think that it depends on how they make the make the film. I think, yeah, and how scary it is. In inserting here my other episode, watching women, because there's a there's a category, the final girl, which talks about like a woman being the last one standing in this group of people who get like murdered by an ex murder. So. If you're interested in that, listen to this other episode. <laughs> <laughs> nice plug. So, okay, last category is funny movies. So um, we chose Groundhog Day, directed by Harold Ramis from 1993, uh, which is like an eternal classic. And of course, you wouldn't watch it in the movies today, or maybe, maybe there is a screening and you would go... But uh, I wished I've watched this in the movies because I feel like comedy movies are also good to watch in the cinema because sometimes the laugh of somebody is even funnier than the joke. And if, so, if a lot of people laugh, like a group of people is laughing, you get the feeling that you should laugh too and you maybe get like infected by the laughing around you. And um, yeah, I just, I just love watching comedies in movies. But um, I think it's controversial because... Of course, you can watch like co comedies or romantic comedies would be like the easiest to watch at home if you, if you would. True. So I will, I will start. We just see some um, visuals from the trailer. It's about this guy uh, who's stuck in a time lapse and has to relive the same day over and over again. Groundhog time. A thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat. <laughs> He's stuck. Groundhog. <laughs> Groundhog Day. I'm really There was a similar um, series done last year, Russian Doll. Have you watched it on Netflix with the girl who was always reliving the same yeah, day? Yeah, with Natasha Leone. Exactly. I started watching it, but yeah. I didn't finish the season. It was very good. Uh, season two is coming in as well. Uh, similar, similar topic, but there is some something about this storytelling when things keep on repeating itself over and over mm. that I think maybe attracts people. Yeah, Andy Samberg had a movie that i think won a golden globe or was at least nominated this year that was it's pretty it's pretty funny it's like also it's kind of a time loop thing because there isn't i am an immortal i have been stabbed shot burned frozen electrocuted i'm a god i've never actually seen groundhog say all the way through i don't think me neither i feel like it's one of the most like everyone knows the movie and no one's seen it kind right of Like it spawned a whole term, like Groundhog's Day means something happening over and over. And that literally didn't exist until 1993. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. I feel like if due to pandemic, people feel more related to this film more than ever. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Every yes. day is the same. <laughs> But I think comedies, again, I think comedies is something that actually I like to enjoy at home. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But maybe the element of being 
in a theater and laughing with other people is something that you don't enjoy at home. One of the weirdest experiences was when I went to see Jojo Rabbit. Have you seen that? <laughs> because yes, that's so inappropriate and so funny. And then you don't know if you should be laughing in a theater with other people. And I went to see it to a theater and that was definitely a big part of the experience. In Germany, right? In Germany, yes. That's a whole like, other I can't laugh at added, these jokes. Can I? But everybody was, and I think it was great. So everybody felt this, this lightness of the experience. Yeah, so that's it. That's all I have. Um, thank you for participating and discussing movies with me. Anytime. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the movies. Welcome to the stars. Welcome to this grand illusion. All of it's yours. Right through these doors. All in all, movies released on streaming services are still, you know, movies, with all the good, bad and ugly that it implies. Conversations about last year's and this year's films have certainly felt muted, but the work remains what the work will always have been. I hope that the cinema's place as something of a social institution will not fade quickly. More than once I catch myself absorbing TV as a background noise, while my real attention is directed towards my smartphone. Something that would never happen in a theater. Yes, big TVs are getting cheaper and with the rise of streaming services we can basically watch any movie at any time. But there's just nothing like sitting in that big dark room while the lights slowly dim and the red curtain is gently drawn apart as if by magic. Okay, that's it for this episode. Thanks for giving a fuck and listening. I'd like to give special thanks to my guest Sean Hogan for our insightful interview. If you want to check out any of my sources and explore more, please visit giveafuck.net. Until next time, remember to eat your veggies, get vaccinated when it's your turn, so we can all go to the movies again as soon as possible. And keep giving a fuck. Give a fuck. Music courtesy of epidemicsound.com.